Hey, hey, Sovereign Tech listeners. Boy, if you're wondering about the audio here, don't worry. This the, the ugly audio is only at the beginning of this episode. Only this little disclaimer that I'm giving you, uh, just because right now I'm on location. Uh, but the rest of the episode was recorded in Brian's Dungeon of Sex and Magic in, in the BDSM studio. No problem there. So that's golden audio. Don't worry about this. But I just wanted to make a little disclaimer. This is an episode, probably the first episode, Sovereign Tech Prime episode that I can think of, where I felt like, you know... Is this all right? <laughs> like, is this okay for me to put out there? Um, this is a heavily... I mean, I felt that way about Patreon episodes in the past, but this is the first time a Sovereign Tech Prime episode where I really felt that. Um, this is an episode that is heavily political. Uh, when you get to about the 48-minute mark to about the hour and 48-minute mark, there's about a whole hour here where it's very, very political. Um, and I want you to be conscious of that because I know the thousands and thousands of Sovereign Tech listeners, some of you are just here for the tech and you just like the little ink, uh, little sprinkling of human liberties and anarchism and all that. Uh, there's a lot of conversation about libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism um, and my varying issues with that, So, as well as uh, some philosophical and ethical conversations that are not new to longtime Sovereign Tech listeners, but if you're a new listener... Yeah, you, you, know, you might not have heard me talk about some of this stuff uh, before, particularly when it comes to the use of lethal force and things of this nature. So I just want you to be aware that that's happening. Again, an hour and 48 minutes, it's about, four, about 48 minutes, and then at the hour and 48-minute mark is where a lot of that political conversation, and I get pretty heated up, and some people love it when I do that, but it's there. I just wanted you to know. Anyway, I'm sure all of you will still enjoy the episode. Uh, most of the people that I mentioned this about in the Sovereign Tech Facebook group and the Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group said, well, if, if you're not comfortable with it, you have to release it. And so, you know what? I, I, I was mulling over and I said, all right, fine, I'm releasing it. So here it is. Woo. Let's get to the show. Just when you thought it was safe to put on your headphones, you entered the darkest, wildest, sexiest depths of technology. And here to keep you on the bleeding edge of science, tech, and ethics is the Rated R Radio Star, the man of tomorrow, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. I know, I know that you're looking for that excitement. You're looking for that good time. And you're looking for all that hot news and the analysis on what is cause and all this. Well, you've come to the right place. Of course, this is Sovereign Tech, and I am the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, Brian Sovereign, ready to make it happen. And holy hell. Do we have a lot to get into uh, this week? A lot of deep stuff. And actually, I'm going to do a couple things in this episode that are going to end up being a little bit different. Believe it or not, I'm going to actually do some, in varying segments, I'm going to be doing some reading from social media accounts. Ooh, that doesn't happen often, does it? Well, they're not all mine, but baby, they're important. We're going to cover it. We're going to get into it. We got to, I mean... (laughs) Not that this show ever shies away from controversial, but we've got some controversial shit to cover. Uh, anyway, if you have not yet, I just want to implore you. I, I dare say one more time, but I'm sure I'm going to do it more in the future. I dare implore you, please 
sign up for the Sovereign Tech newsletter. If you can't get enough Sovereign Tech, if you want more, more, more of the content that we talk about, from the geeky shit to the science to the tech to the music, whatever the hell we talk about, okay, you know, a newsletter, an email newsletter, gives you this great format that allows or gives me a great format to cover things that doesn't exactly work in in podcast form. Um, and also, you get the short fiction from the Sovereign Universe that everybody just goes whoo, wild over, baby. And if you're not on it, go to zog.email. That's the website, zog.email. Instead of .com, it's .email. zog.email. Sign up for it. Already got a lot of people signed up for it. I'm honored by that. Uh, but please do. And it doubles as, again, it's not just about it being a newsletter. It doubles. I'm not going to do anything with your email address. It just it doubles as a way to communicate with you that is a little more guaranteed, a little more robust, a little more resilient than a lot of the modes that we're probably going to end up talking about, uh, you know, in this in this episode. So please, the Sovereign Tech newsletter, ZOG email. Understand it's just as <laughs> it gets just as hot, just as uncensored, just as wild as the Sovereign Tech show does. But it's an email form. You know, I wanted to make, talk about something a little bit different. I wanted to make the email newsletter that I wanted to read. And so that's what I did. And other people are enjoying it. They're digging it. And hey, rock and roll. So anyway, uh, woo, coming off of last week's episode where we talked about blockchains quite a bit, talked about uh, Bitcoin Cash or Bcash, as I'm enjoying calling it, uh, among other things, I actually had a blockchain, largely blockchain-esque episode lined up for this week as well, but I'm probably going to push that back until maybe next week. Maybe I can have a guest on to talk about it. Somebody who's really knee deep in the space, uh, you know, more, far more so than I am, uh, even though I, I definitely keep a very close eye on these things. So anyway, I, I thought about doing it this week, but then I was like, no, nah, no, nah, let, let, let's shake it up. Let's not turn this into, you know, the Bitcoin show or something, because who wants to listen to that like every single week all the time? I don't, well, I mean, I guess there are people that do, but it's just not my not my bag. Anyway. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. There's so many amazing things going on. It's great to have a niche podcast. You know, don't misunderstand me. But I mean, somehow I cover so many different subjects. And yet this is still technically, I think, a niche podcast and kind of always will be. But, you know, a niche can get to a few hundred thousand listeners. Not that I'm at that level. You know, I'm only cranking five digits. But hey, what the hell? Let's do it. So, whew, all right, baby, let's start talking the foreplay where we cover all the little stories that maybe don't deserve their own segment. Let's do it. So I want to start this off with a correction, really, uh, from last, from la not a correction, uh, but an expansion upon a subject that we brought up last week, actually during the foreplay, which I ended up going on a bit of a tirade about, <laughs> which is uh, the Signal app. Now, the concern that was brought up, it was sent to me via email, bbs at sovereigntech.com or through the contact form at zog.email. Uh, the concern that was brought up was that I have been recommending Signal, but uh, Signal relies upon Google Play services. And since you're telling people to get away from Google, whew, we're going to be talking about that later. <laughs> uh, since you're telling people to get away from Google, this is kind of a misnomer. Like effectively, because Signal relies upon Google Play services, it sort of has a potential exploit backdoor, you know, however you want to want to label that. Um, and I talked about this and I said, you are you. I said that first off, I have mentioned that many times and I'm, I'm well, well aware of that. I also mentioned that 
Signal had, or Open Whisper Systems particularly, had been working on, for they announced on Twitter some time ago that they are working on making Signal independent of Google Play services. Okay. Now, there was a time, especially if you read the early dark Android blogs, um, where I talked about that, well, text, because Signal used to, so Signal used to be two apps, okay? It used to be Red Phone, and it used to be uh, uh, Tech Secure. Tech Secure was actually completely open source and did not require uh, Google Play services. Red Phone, I'm not so sure, was the same situation. But you could install Tech Secure from F-Droid, which is an independent uh, app repository that's all open source and doesn't require Google Play services. I'm a big fan. Um, and so originally I would recommend Tech Secure, you know, without... without you know, with, uh, without any reservations. Right. So, but then what happened is at least on, on iOS, it turned, you know, open whisper systems created the signal app, which is where they combined tech secure and red phone into one app down the line. They put, they, they did the same thing for Android where they canceled tech secure and red phone and they put it all into one app. That being uh signal. So, it relying upon Google Play services was kind of a new thing for Signal particularly. Uh, but a, about a year later, year and a half later or so, Open Whisper Systems came out and said, yeah, we're going to try and get this off of, you know, off of these dependencies of, you know, Google Play services, which is a concern, again, because like if you really want a genuinely, you know, anonymous, secure, private uh, you know, mobile device and generally with the dark Android blog and its most extreme forms, I recommend a tablet or something, um, you know, or a tablet working in conjunction with a burner phone or w- whatever. OK. Uh, generally, you don't want Google Google's stuff on there at all. So you can't you don't want to install G apps. You don't want to install, um, you know, the Play Store. You don't want to install any of that. OK. And so, but, you know, without that, you really can't use Signal. That that has been the case for some time. Also, you have, and this is equally kind of striking, you have the um, the Signal app for desktop, but really it's only for the Chrome browser. Now, you could use it through Chromium, um, you know, by but you're still kind of going through the Chrome Web Store or whatever. Uh, similarly, about a, uh, a few months ago now anyway, uh, Open Whisper Systems came out and said, we need a Java programmer and for for our desktop app which i assumed meant that it was them trying to create an independent um open whisper you know or an independent signal app that didn't rely upon your web browser as its platform okay and i still think that that's something coming to fruition i haven't seen that that come to come to reality yet but whatever at least that's being worked on and there are you know other concerns that people may have with having, you know, signal sync with your desktop, even though the handshake is done, you know, with the QR code personally. I mean, it's kind of done the right way, uh, regardless of all that. Anyway, ju- a, a great Sovereign Tech listener actually pointed out to me that now there is, and I put the link in the show notes, you can actually get the website distribution build of the Signal Android APK. APK is like the Android version of an XE on Windows. Okay, so this is the install file. Uh, the latest one, it's up to Signal version uh, 4.8.1, which matches what's in the Google Play Store. Um, they have various warnings around it on the website. It says, Danger Zone, advanced users with special needs can download the Signal APK directly. Most users should not do this under normal circumstances. And there's a SHA-256 fingerprint that you can use to verify the file to make sure. But 
Here's the thing. So now, guess what? Yes, you can install Signal completely separately from the Google Play Store. It no longer relies upon that. So problem solved. Problem solved. Signal does not rely upon Google Play services anymore. Everything I said last week is still completely valid and true. Okay, like the overall point that I made that these things are hard, that, you know, the trade off between privacy or the trade off between security and convenience, all of these things are still completely valid points. I, you know, I'm not uh, backing up on any or, you know, backing away from anything that I said last week. It's all still very true. I am glad that uh, that this that this exists, that you can install this completely independently. Um, I imagine the reason some people ask me after the fact about it, like, well, why does it even need the Google Play services uh, dependencies? I imagine part of it was ease of uh, what what could be ease of contacts connection as well as, um, you know, would more have to do with with services that like Redphone used to provide where you're using secure calling and all that. Like, I really think it all comes down to that video and audio calling functionality as to where the texting, I mean, that's as open nature. I mean, SMS is, is such a, I mean, encrypted or otherwise, you know, is, is such an open affair that, well, I mean, and that's true too. Like signal now also, you know, uses a data connection exclusively. It doesn't actually send over SMS anymore, which text secure used to, but regardless, Problem solved. You can install Signal completely independent of the Google Play Store. You do not need the Google Play Store. So there we go. Link is in the show notes for that. Uh, you just go to the website Signal.org, and it is an official Open Whisper Systems uh, site that they just use for, you know, kind of for ease of sharing and naming purposes uh, to check that out. So there you go. Now, another story. Um, this is not a correction or anything. Well, this is a correction of a story that was shared around quite a bit. Uh, in fact, I think even some some great people in the Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group um, uh, shared this. And when I read it, I, you know, OK, so originally there's a lot of FUD, a lot of BS, a lot of kind of kind of clickbaity scare tactic headlines that were shared about the situation. And this is about an A.I., that Facebook had shut down because it started making its own language. Like that's, that's kind of how the reporting was going. Now, even when it was in its creepy, scary form and the reality of the situation was cleared up in just a matter of a couple of days, even when it was shared in its kind of creepy form, I didn't mind. I didn't care. You know, like some of the, some of the headlines were here. Here's some of the headlines. Um, Facebook engineers panic pull plug on AI after bots develop their own language. Here's another one. Facebook shuts down uh, AI after it invents its own creepy language. Another one. Did we humans just create Frankenstein? <laughs> I mean, this is really. Uh, oh, man. I mean, there, there was there was so much about this. And what was happening was is so Facebook has a department called FAIR of all ironies, uh, which stands for Facebook Artificial Intelligence Research. OK, and they were developing an AI, more really machine learning would have been the more particular term to use here. They were developing, I mean, because there's a difference between, you know, when the part of the problem with the term AI is that it is such a blanket big tent term. Okay. Because there's AGI, you know, artificial general intelligence, like a Skynet style thing, right? Maybe without the maliciousness or maybe with it. Um, then you have, you know, machine learning, which is more of like an algorithmic, uh, you know, AI application, you know, where, where, I mean, yeah, there's a degree of what could be called intelligence involved, but anyway, 
most of the time when you hear AI being used, nobody's really talking about an AGI. I mean, when it's being used in an actual like corporate document of some kind, usually they're just talking about some degree of machine learning or something. So the FAIR was developing uh, an AI that could help, th- that, that could interact with customers with a person at the back end, which sounds a lot like really what, uh, what is it, M, right? That's the name of... Um, the the virtual assistant that has a human sort of in, in, at the back end if needed um, th- that's built into Facebook Messenger and that's available in some areas, right? So it, it sounds like they were just trying to build something that improves upon that. Now, the thing is why they shut this down, okay? Because it was supposed to be an AI that a human, that a customer did not know that they were talking to someone. That, I mean, it's not it's not exactly the Turing test, but it sounds kind of similar to it even though the Turing test is kind of bullshit. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you look into the history of the Turing test, you're going to find out that, that the way it gets used by, by the mainstream media and a lot of, uh, a lot of the tech, tech journalists in general, like they, they have no fucking understanding of what that's about. Anyway, so the idea was just to develop something that could work you know, consumer-facing. So it was an AI designed to interact on both ends with a human being. And what happened is, is that it started like they accidentally had it start talking to it kind of to itself, to to like to another AI. And so in the efficiency of learning the language, it started like what what they call this. OK, is um, they call it gen- generative adversarial network, meaning that it's meant it's designed to negotiate. OK, so it was it ended up being two AIs that were supposed to be facing humans that were facing themselves that were trying to come to similar conclusions. Okay. Uh, you know, a similar conclusion. And, and like one of the, one of the statements that, that, that they were coming up with, like there was a conversation put between the two where they showed some of the words that they were saying. And it's like, it was saying I, or like Bob was one of the AIs that said, I can, I, I, everything else. Alice would respond, Balls have zero to me, 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 to me. Then Bob would say, you, I, everything else, Alice. And then Alice would say, balls have a ball to me, to me, to me, to me. So like they were, it was, it was working what was happening there. Okay. And so, but they shut it down because again, they weren't meant to be really communicating with each other. They were meant to be, you know, consumer facing. They're meant to be human facing, um, you know, AIs. So nothing really nefarious going seriously. Nothing, nothing really nefarious going on there. This was just stuff getting pointed kind of in, in the wrong direction and, and sort of left on. Um, now, even if it were like they were testing out something and Facebook's AI was was generating its own language and AIs were talking to each other and we couldn't understand what the fuck they were saying, blah, blah, blah. blah. I don't care. <laughs> like, like I, I really have no problem with this. In fact, we talked about this might have been during a hack sec, maybe a year, maybe two ago, where during a hacker conference, there were uh, AIs, we'll say, or machine learning set up that were that was security software. OK, and these security algorithms were creating their on completely on their own. They were creating their own encryption schemes that humans weren't really able to crack. I mean, it, it's it's a long story. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to drudge up the story. But but I think with that, you could do a DuckDuckGo search and, and end up with something, uh, you know, relevant or you, you'd find the story. Um, and at the time when I talked about that story, I said, well, this is fucking great. 
Like, good. I mean, the, the encryption that humans don't make, so they probably don't have the first clue how to break. Please, can I have that? Can I have, like, on, on my little communicator device, whatever that ends up looking like, doesn't necessarily have to be a smartphone. Can I have, on, on my little communicator device, could it have a degree of machine learning to it where it is... Uh, where it could send like this, this hyper, you know, this is incredible encryption, you know, the super encryption that or superhuman, maybe encryption, supra, right? Um, you know, this inhuman encryption that could communicate between each other and then, you know, no government would have a fucking clue what to do about blah, 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 blah. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have no problem with this. There's nothing creepy about this. Who gives a shit? Um, and again, as I said many times on the show in recent months, Look, we're nowhere near AGI and these these AIs, be it at FAIR or wherever, developing their own little languages in no way equates to an AGI. It no way equates to Skynet. It doesn't even come fucking close. This was just, you know, this was just the mainstream media and even some unfortunate tech journalists spreading bullshit and going for clicks. Even if the worst, the absolute worst you imagined was true about this, it means nothing. <laughs> like, it really means nothing. I mean, and and like I said, if it's in the case of, say, for encryption and security and all that, it's actually a great boon. Yeah, let's do this. I would love it if there was some kind of machine learning that was constantly adjusting you know, uh, uh, like, like an encryption scheme and, and communications and the encryption between communications between me and another party. Oh, it'd be fucking awesome. And have it be completely open, you know, completely open source how it does it, but you just can't do anything about it. Oh, hell, please. So, you know, when I when I even like I said, even in the worst situations of how this could have been described or parlayed or what was going on, I saw it only as exciting. Great. Good. <laughs> New languages at the end of the day means new encryption. Really? I mean, there's a lot of truth to that statement. Right? Remember, uh, you know, not not that I, I support the war machine in any fucking way whatsoever. But I mean, you know, remember how the Navajo, right, were, you know, their language were was used um, during World War Two because so few people spoke it. It wasn't really written in whatever. And, and, and it worked so well as a uh, as effectively, you know, encrypted communications. Uh, you know, cryptographic. I mean, it, it, was, <laughs> it was kind of a, a human cryptography. I mean, it was really, you know, it was really something. So, yeah, apply that to AI or machine learning in, say, uh, you know, some kind of chat app, some kind of really advanced chat app. And awesome. Good. Then nobody can understand what the hell's going on because it's constantly shifting. It's not written down. It wasn't created by a human. You have no basis of, uh, you know, starting basis with it. I mean, fuck yes. Let's do this. So, <laughs> so I, I, I was I was baffled. By yeah, I mean, I understand why some people thought it was kind of crazy, and and I, and I get it, especially at first blush. But when you just take a second and you step back and you go, oh, actually, <laughs> this is kind of cool. And and either way, it would have been cool. So, but Facebook wouldn't allow it to be used as an encryption because Facebook wants to see everything you do. Okay, but once this idea, once this this capability is unleashed, other companies will just copy it, and it's only a matter of time. As we're learning now, with everything software related. It is only a matter of time before an open source alternative comes into existence and that open source alternative takes over the world. We know that now. Open source has won. Okay. We've been talking about that for, what is this, episode 237 or 238? Um, Ever since episode 200, we've been talking about, look, it's over. The victory has been done. Open source wins. Straight up. 
So anyway, um, let's get into another story here. <laughs> uh, this one's uh, kind of a sad story. I, so just recently, Apple announced, um, I guess this would have been end of July, like July 27th. Apple finally announced that they will no longer be selling and they are killing off production of the iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle. Now, these are two lines of products that started back in 2005. Um, both of them, the Nano and the Shuffle, came out at the same time. And this is before, again, you know, the iPhone didn't come out till 2007. So this is pre-iPhone. I have gone on record over and over again saying that the iPod, not the iPhone, the iPod is was the most revolutionary product since the personal computer. I mean, just just straight up, the, the smartphone is bullshit. No, it really is, folks. The smartphone just transposed what the computer does into your pocket. The iPod really like that really created another category. OK, that gave you something that changed the entire music industry. It changed everything. Not even don't even talk to me about streaming. The iPod is what gave is what, you know, put in people's heads, what changed kind of the the the, um, the popular consciousness to say, wait a minute, in my pocket, I can have access to thousands of songs. That's the iPod did that. Without the iPod, I mean, streaming's not a new idea. I, I talked about this recently. In fact, I did a write-up on it. You can read it on Medium, uh, where I was talking about the, the Internet age wasn't built on Western values. Um, how Bill Von Meester, in the 80s, like back in 81, how he came up with streaming music services and the music companies at the time, you know, Universal, Epic, Sony, whoever, they and MCA, you know, all, all of them, they were on board with, oh, yeah, the streaming music thing. This sounds great. What actually killed streaming music was, of all shocks, the record company or not the, re uh, the, the record stores, not the record companies, the record stores. They're the ones that that shut down Bill Von Meester's idea. Why? Because obviously you, you lose out on, on record sales and you lose out on CD sales and cassette sales and all of that. So they knew that they were threatened. The iPods, what finally shut down what was really holding back the music industry, which I mean, look, record companies are fucking, you know, the RIA, all that evil as shit. Don't don't misunderstand me. But let's be clear here. A lot of the record stores, especially the big chains and all that, they, <laughs> you know, they are no innocent angels flying around. OK, and the iPod destroyed them. That's what I'm, people people fucking miss it. They miss it every time. <gasps> the smartphone. So revolution. No, 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 no. The MP3 player and the iPod, of course, being the pinnacle of that. Uh, that's that's what wrecked. That's what that's what wrecked the, the, the music industry. That's what changed the game. That's what changed so much uh, of the world and how we interact and everything. I mean, including the entire audiobook industry, which is. Yeah, boy, if the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy were here, she could give me the metrics like audiobooks have. I think there some for some major titles, audiobooks outsell the actual you know physical book or ebook themselves. Audiobooks are huge. What's allowed for audiobooks to be such a big deal? What's allowed for podcasts to fucking exist? The iPod, not the fucking smartphone, but it changed everything. It created independent media. It created, you know, the audiobook industry. I mean, there's so many things that it did as to where really without smartphones, people would just use their laptops. You know, they, they really would. 
Um, but the iPod putting all the stuff in your pocket and allowing you to multitask. Look, you can't shove a laptop in your pocket. It doesn't work that way. OK, <laughs> so again, the iPod was this revolutionary thing. Um, and, and I missed it. What, you know, when the iPod classic went away, I thought that, you know, I thought that was kind of sad. Um, I loved my I had my was the seventh generation. Was that the last one? iPod classic. I had that forever. Um, I also had an iPod shuffle, the last model, which was the one that was just a little clip with the, you know, just very few. There's like four buttons on it. Maybe had about like four, two to four gig of storage, something along those lines. Uh, most of your controls, you, you know, you could even do through uh, through controlling on, on the headset. I mean, the shuffle went through a lot of different, um, you know, went through a lot of different designs where there was the ones that didn't really even have buttons and everything was in the wire uh, of your, you know, of your headphones, which Obviously, now Apple's totally changed on that, right? You don't even get a one-eighth jack anymore. Um, but anyway, so the shuffle, yeah, I mean, just really, really slick. Um, I, I I love that little device. I had my little hot pink one that I carried with me, and it was great for putting, yeah, an audio book. Um, the, only, the only hard part was it was controlling the speed, the, the changing the playback speed, which was one of the other revolutionary things that the iPod specifically did, where it allowed you to listen to things faster. You didn't have the granular controls of like 2X or 2.5X or something like that, but you could listen to things faster. Uh, that was huge. And, and you couldn't really necessarily do that with the shuffle, but it was great for, you know, at the gym, you just clip it wherever. I mean, and, and you, it's so lightweight, just a little piece of aluminum that you'd never feel it on you. Um, but you know, now that's gone, <laughs> no more of that. And it's funny too. I was actually, cause I got rid of my hot pink one, uh, some years ago, uh, kind of when I was buying into this whole notion that, oh, smartphones are great, which, you know, fortunately I've, I've woken out of that haze, um, but I, you know, recently I was looking at on Apple site again. I was like, you know, I, I would really love for workouts. I'd love to have an iPod shuffle again. And, and it would be great because the iPod shuffle is cheaper than a fucking Bluetooth, a really great pair of Bluetooth uh, or decent pair of Bluetooth head, uh, headphones. So which, you know, Bluetooth headphones admittedly are nice for workouts because you don't have that block of sensors sitting in one of your pockets or strapped to your arm or something like that. Uh, you know, to where to where potentially something could happen to it. you just have a cheap little iPod, uh, you know, little shuffle. And, you know, even if something happens to it, ooh, 50 bucks, <laughs> right? Like that's it's not that big a deal. Um, but the Nano and the Shuffle have now both officially ended uh, again. They, they have gone through so many different uh, models. Um, I always thought the Shuffle was such a brilliant little idea. And it was really, I think, one of the first steps even though I don't like this direction necessarily, but I kind of get it. And for a specific use case, it sort of worked. It was one of the first steps on Silicon Valley's part to get to zero UI because they were really getting rid of the UI. And I event, and I imagine if the iPod continued on as a line, which Steve jobs is still around, it probably would. Um, he just loved it too much. And understandably it was the genuine, it was the real revolutionary, you know, product. The iPhone was a big deal because it was an it was just an iPod with a phone. <laughs> right. Um, I think he would, you know, it would have continued on and eventually it would have had, you would have had something like the, what do they call them? The ear pods or the AirPods, where, you know, you, you would talk to the iPod shuffle and that would be all the controls. So the iPod nano, you know, that's another interesting one too. There's a lot to say about that because there was that one model that I think the year, well, they, they had a few different models. They had the ones where it had the camera on it, which I thought were really nice. Those were like the fifth or sixth generation or something like that. And then the generation after that, or maybe it was the one before where 
it was it looked like the clip, kind of like the iPod shuffle, but it had a full it had a little touch screen on it. And people what ended up happening was is people would sell watch bands that you could clip your iPod Nano into. And then and then people would just release apps for the iPod Nano that would have time on it and everything. And that was a really cool idea. In fact, it was really the precursor and Apple didn't come up with it to the Apple Watch. It was something the market wanted. And that's part of my confidence in thinking that the market still wants like a smartwatch. They still want that sort of thing. I mean, maybe people have already gotten past it enough because now they're so used to just looking at their smartphone or something. But I think if, if a genuinely great watch was really made that could add in what, you know, what, what the iPod has evolved into now, which is just an iPod, you know, with some apps and, um, you know, and a phone connected to it, you know, and the ability to text and whatever. If someone could really bake all of that into that all in one device, I, I think you might see that finally come back. But anyway, uh, yeah, really, the you know, it's kind of the end. I know that the iPod Touch is still a thing, and I, I love the iPod Touch. I think it's a fine device. Um, but really, kind of kind of the, the era of the iPod's over in 2017. And, it, and it, it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> because like I said, it, it was, it just was so revolutionary. It really did change the world way. People just don't realize it way more than smartphones. I mean, I don't even think smartphones would have necessarily take off, taken off if people weren't already primed with MP3 players to be doing so much with a device in their pocket, you know, or to be doing things so personal and music is such a personal experience, uh, like within their pocket. Um, the other thing that that's, that's, and I've talked about this on sovereign tech in years past, that's kind of sad is, you know, there there goes one of the last bastions <laughs> of I mean, not that it was a it was necessarily a click wheel where it had kind of touch controls. But, yeah, there's there's one less UI that's gone away. But then, like I said, maybe that was the point of the iPod was to get to zero UI. So anyway, well, we'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Woo! Bye bye, iPod. I love you. Woo! Now, speaking of the iPod, boy. Like I said, that brought on the podcast. If you want to hear a great podcast, and if you're like me, you're a huge Star Wars fan, or maybe you just need to be convinced, I want you to check out the Resist the Empire podcast. So much fun. So many cool things talked about. One of the best sources for Star Wars news that you can get, as well as reviews, uh, breakdowns of characters, right down to their politics. There's the smallest galactic political quiz that they do. Oh, it's, it's so much fun. Uh, just tremendous production. I love it. It's it's my favorite Star Wars podcast. I can say that straight up. Resist the Empire podcast dot com. That's the website you want to go to. Okay. You can let them know, Hey, I heard about you through the golden stallion. Ooh. And the, the, believe me, they know who you're talking about because they're fans of this show too. So just one of the best, if you love star Wars and you want maybe kind of that Liberty perspective on star Wars as well, which that's kind of rare. You, this is your podcast, baby. Believe me. I listen to it every time a new episodes come out. It's just phenomenal. And I thank them for sponsoring sovereign tech. Woo. Let's get back to the show. Resist the empire podcast. Story of the week. Woo. It's time for story of the week. Do I even get to breathe? No. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, let's get into our story of the week. And this is, you know, I'm going to have some fun here. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, <laughs> Ooh, got a little notification of a tweet from uh, from Cookie Monster. If yes, that Cookie Monster. If me is what me eats, is me a cookie? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> I I I'm telling you, 
Cookie Monster's tweets, the official account, me, at me, Cookie Monster. It's half the reason I'm on Twitter still. <laughs> no, I, I, I like Twitter fine. But but I, I just, I kind of, I'll, I'll like and, and retweet every single thing that Cookie Monster puts out. If, if you haven't noticed that, if, you, if you're not following me on Twitter and you haven't seen that over, you know, however long, well, now you know. So <laughs> to get the latest Cookie Monster tweets, make sure you're following me at Sovereign Tech on Twitter. But, uh, well, anyway, kind of a nice little lead in there. Uh, if you want to follow me on another quasi-social network, um, something interesting, had it, was, it actually got released in 2016, uh, in November of 2016. And just now, you know, we're now we're in mid-2017. Of course, this is being uh, recorded in August of 2017. Um, it's just now starting to, like, really skyrocket in, in prominence and use, and it's it, it really is I, I, calling it a social social network is, you know, not unfair. I think that's accurate. Um, and it's called Saraha. And what that means in Arabic is frankness or honesty. Now, what allows for this frankness or honesty is quite simply the fact that this is, for all intents and purposes, anonymous. OK, um, and it is made by uh, by a. Yeah, I guess an Arabic developer, uh, so <laughs> or at least developer. I don't know if the person is actually like you know from an Arabic country and the and the company is starting out there. But I mean, this is this is really 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 popular. And all you have to do here here's what's interesting about Saraha if you haven't heard about it yet. So that's s a s a r a h a h dot com. So s a r a h a h dot com. And if you want to find my URL for it, it's actually sovereign dot saraha.com and this all all it is is it when you say say you typed in sovereign.saraha.com okay or if you downloaded the app and you searched for brian sovereign on there you'd find me all that's going to come up is a little text box that says you know share some constructive criticism or something like that and a smiley face of course people share all kinds of things not just constructive criticism here but a little box comes up you don't have to have an account to use this that's part of the reason where it's you know again uh, effectively anonymous um and whoever's page you're on okay if you're on mine you can share a comment with me i don't know who sent it i have no fucking clue you know unless you give me clues or something um you can't respond to it you can you know heart it into your own favorites but that's that's kind of about it Um, Now, you can have an account and send constructive criticism to other Saraha users, and that will be saved in your sent tab. Okay, what you sent or you could just open an incognito window, go to the person's, you know, URL and, you know, and just share something. And then it doesn't get saved anywhere because, again, this is relatively anonymous. Now, I'm actually, and I, and I said I would do this on a Patreon episode recently of Sovereign Tech. I was on the Wednesday Q&A uh, this week, which, where I said that, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to talk about this app because I think there's interesting, interesting things to say about it. And, uh, I'm going to actually read some of the, some of the Sarah messages that got left, uh, for me, because obviously some people felt, oh, this is anonymous. So, and I don't need to actually make an account. So thus it doesn't have to get tied back to me. I mean, we could talk IP addresses and all that, but that's, you know, that's not what the average person is going to be able to find out. Um, and so I, I could say whatever I want and leave, you know, constructive criticism or harsh criticism or something else, you know, or or maybe something very nice. 
And people have. <laughs> In fact, a lot of people have. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to cover these. But there's something to before I get into those, because I'm going to treat it like a kind of a mini Q&A here on Sovereign Tech, which, you know, used to be a part of the show uh, until, you know, it became pretty much a Patreon perk. Uh, so I'm going to read them. But I want to talk about Sarah, ha, you know, initially here. The interesting thing for me about it. And this is going to be a theme that we're going to get into later on in the show, because we're going to talk about privacy's history in our, our tech history segment. And then I have a review of the movie The Circle. It is interesting that if, you know, a lot of claims that go around is that and, and believe me, you know, I've had it with libertarians and caps, Marxists, whoever, socialists. I've, I've had it with with the entire ideological spectrum. You get a lot of people who will say to you that. Well, you know, but I, I don't care about my privacy. I don't care if they see what I'm doing. Like, it, it just doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. Privacy is not, you know, I don't think anybody would or well, I don't think any of them. There are people who would. I don't think any of them would argue that privacy isn't a human liberty. OK, or if you believe in the concept of rights, that it's not a human right. It, it certainly is. But people seem to make the claim that they don't care about it and that we're kind of past that. Or you take, for example, what Vince Cerf has said, who's, you know, kind of the, the godfather of the Internet, uh, now a, like a visionary officer at, at Google, effectively, um, who said that he thinks privacy is actually an anomaly. Like it's not a basic part of the human condition. Uh, it's not a basic part of society uh, that walls, you know, all this stuff is completely unnatural and that privacy, again, is just an anomaly. Here's the funny thing. So I, I, you know, and I, I've read Vint Cerf's words uh, about that in the past on the show, and I've always kind of made the, the same argument is that and, and there's a lot of psychological uh, research to to bolster this. And that is, is that really people won't be completely honest unless they feel like there's no real ramifications to the words that they say. OK, and that, you know, how you create an environment where there's no ramifications to what they say. Well, in meat space, you know, in, in IRL in real life, you do that by having, you know, kind of a, a you know, you talk to people that, you know, aren't going to judge you or will accept you and love you regardless of what you happen to say, um, you know, and we'll talk it out with you if they think that there's something up or disturbing or whatever, you know. Um, that's one way how you do it in meat space online. You do it by encrypted anonymized communications, or maybe not even encrypted, just, just anonymized to where it's not attached to an account. If it's an attached, if it's attached to an account, yeah, you want it encrypted, uh, you know, in, in a, a perfect world situation. Okay. But that's, that's how you allow for that. That's how you get that freedom of expression. And, but again, so many people I hear, Say to, you know, say to me that, well, I don't care if I don't have privacy. I don't care. All right, fine. I'm, I'm giving up my privacy and, and you can do whatever you want with all my data, blah, blah, blah. You know, make millions of dollars off of me and, and I don't get a penny of it because I just get to use your services. And of course, I'd love to see somebody say that that the, the use of those services, uh, you know, for the average everyday person really, you know, pays them back what what Facebook makes off of what they collect about you. But you see, here's the thing. When Sarah Ha comes out and. Now everybody, I mean, so many people are using it. It is so popular. Um, I think that that throws all, all, all those arguments right out the fucking door. Somehow that people don't want privacy or that people don't care about privacy anymore because an article we're going to read later is talking about how privacy is dead. Um, clearly it's not because an app like this is so wildly popular 
because people do finally feel like they can freely express themselves again. I know that, you know, and people have this concern about Twitter where because it's anonymous, people will say dastardly, terrible things, blah, blah, blah. Well, a lot, some of my, most of, or, you know, uh, some friends of mine that I've talked to who, who have uh, Sarah Ha accounts, you know, they, they've even said that, no, actually, they, they haven't received a, a single bad thing. Like, it's all been very loving, very nurturing, very nice stuff. Uh, and a lot of people are getting that, or, or they're getting jokey stuff. I, I mean, it seems like most people aren't really being that crass. Now, if it was a celebrity, it'd probably be a different story, because, you know, once you get a, a past a certain number of people, yeah, I'm sure things can kind of get bad. But, you know, that's that's one of the beauties of the Sarah Ha app of the Sarah Ha service is that, you know, it it kind of lends itself to, to keeping small and limited what you can do uh, within it. It's kind of, it's almost Snapchat for text in a way, but again, the beauty is you don't actually have to have an account. So, but I think people really do care about privacy. I think people really do enjoy having the, at least the option of anonymity. I don't think Humans are saying to themselves right now, well, I, I think there are some that are trying to convince themselves of it, but I don't think the average everyday person is like, yeah, I don't want privacy or I don't want privacy anymore. I don't give a shit. But that's the argument that a lot of these people will make or that they're willing to trade it for something else. No, it seems like even if they do trade it by, you know, being on Facebook and things like this, they still want those platforms where, no, I don't have to give you that. So it's not all or nothing. It's not zero sum. So I think Sarah Ha, you know, makes an excellent point that, no, people still very much care about privacy. They still very much care about anonymity. They still very much care about a lot of these things that are genuine human liberties, in my opinion. Now, with that said, um, and again, you know, I know, some people are already comparing it to like there was that app that was popular in Silicon Valley called Secret, where supposedly like probably a lot of big name people were uh, were sharing Big name people, you know, in in big in tech giants were sharing insider information on there. And eventually that app, you know, went the way of the dodo. You know, people, whatever, got tired of it or something, or maybe they just got concerned Um, with secret. I think you had to create an app or I mean, you had to create an account. Uh, So that's a problem because then it could eventually get attached back to you. Again, the beauty of Sarah Ha is no, you don't have to make an account for anything. And I mean, you need to make an account if you want to receive it. But if you want to send, which arguably is the more important thing, I mean, if you just receive stuff from stuff from people, so what? Um, but if you want to uh, and and no, and, you know, people can't go to like sovereign.saraha.com and they can't see all the messages that people send me. So, you know, again, this is very anonymous. So to send things, you know, you don't need an account at all. Um, and you could tell, fuck, you could do it on tour if you wanted to. Okay. You know, and power up your, your tour browser, have all your VPNs and everything on. And then you're totally, if you want to be really sure that nobody's going to know, I mean, then rock and roll, you know, you, you could do that. Um, so yeah, the popularity of this, I think really speaks to the exact opposite. I mean, and one could also argue, you know, the fact that like the, the, orders of magnitude increase of the percentage of users using the signal app and others, shows that no people really do give a shit about privacy and it's probably it's not an anomaly there's something innate that kind of wakens up within people even in our surveillance society that says ooh an anonymous service i want to use it you know i got excited about using sarah how are you kidding me <laughs> and i don't even I, i'm sure i'm not even close to their demographic so and i wanted to test it out anyway for the show but no i i thought it was i thought it was actually pretty cool so I want to read to you some of the Sarah Ha comments, because some of these that I got are relevant to the show. And I th- 
you know, some of them are, are critiques. Some of them are, I think, mis- complete misunderstandings. And I mean that in a nice way. OK, that, yeah, I, I want to cover them. So so let's read them. Opening up the uh, my sovereign.saraha.com page here. Uh, let's see. We'll start at uh, at the bottom. I started listening to the show because of Dr. Murphy. Of course, that's a lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, the love of my life. Uh, your personality has gotten me hooked onto the show, and I like to listen while I am working out. Your energy level keeps me pump while I lift weights. It's like a Hack 5 rock concert. Keep it up, comrade. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, see, very nice. the first message I got was actually very nice. It wasn't, oh, this is anonymous. I'm going to be evil. I'm going to be mean. Blah, blah. You know, I mean, even though... Yeah, I can understand. Even I kind of had the expectation that that would happen. But regardless, uh, let's see. You do amazing work. Keep it up. P.S. We still need to do a podcast together sometime. See, now there's a clue where I think I know exactly who that is. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to say who, but I think I know who you are. Let's see. Uh, there's another one that I know came from Stephanie. So. <laughs> I'll say that uh, sometimes let's see. And only because like it's using words that I know are between her and I, but anyway, sometimes I worry that I agree with you too much. There's one. Woo. Yeah. Be worried about that, please. Because I'm insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this quick. I mean, I, on so many things, there's things that of course I absolutely want to be right about and that I enjoy being right about or whatever. There are so many things where I can't, you know, I can't wait. So many predictions, so many other things that I have that I'm like, I just hope I'm so wrong. (laughs) But, well, it doesn't often turn out that way. Anyway, uh, yeah, and of course, please, you know, never, ever make a cult of personality around me, please. (laughs) I already had some people kind of offer it and they're like, no, 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 I don't want it. I'm not interested. Uh, let's see. I wish you wouldn't encourage people to say horrible things to you. So yeah, when I first shared this, I said, I was like, all right, say all the horrible things. Like I said, even I kind of expected it, you know, that it would just be bad, but it ended up not being, um, then there's another one where it's just my name being looked like it's being yelled out with a lot of eyes and everything. I like that. Yeah. I love hearing my name yelled out. Woo. <laughs> Here's this one. Ooh, baby. You're one hot nerd whose intellect is clear in speech and actions. I want to get in on this action. And then there's a volcano exploding at the end of it. Woo. Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, thank you so much. I'm honored by that. It, anyway, let's see here. All right. Here's here's where we start to get into some of the critical you seem to have a strange contempt for the notion of self-defense as a basic human right. It's easy to take that ground as a muscular white guy in a laid back state, which I'll stop right there for a second. Not an unfair assessment of who I am. Okay. You know, and I, I understand the point that they're bringing up, you know, muscular white. Yeah. I mean, I'm six foot one. Yep. I work out a lot. Yeah. I've got muscles. I mean, you know, not boasting. I'm just saying I, you know, I've got arms and more, um, and I'm white. So, you know, that look, okay. People are going to argue about this, whatever. I don't care. White privilege is a thing just is okay. I'm not going to get messed with cops nearly as much as a black person is. It's a fact of life. Okay. Uh, right now it's not a fact of life. It's a fact of society. I should say. Um, in a laid back state. Yeah, I'm not like a, a really intense or I'm like I'm really not. I'm not an intense person or somebody that's that's going around looking for for trouble or, you know, that I'm nervous or something like that. Anyway, um, no one is going to bother you. Yep. I, I think there, there's some truth to that. There's a little more to that, but I'll 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 
keep reading. Uh, but not everyone has it so easy. So the overall point here is the claim that, you know, and there's, by the way, there, as far as I can tell, there's no character limit on how much you can write here. So it's not like people are forced to be brief and there's room for misinterpretation or something, but they just sent a quick message and, and I get it. So the strange contempt for the notion of self-defense is a basic human right. Okay. This, and I, and, and I appreciate the person sending this. So, so any of my critiques, I'm not really leveling at you, but this is something that I get a lot. I get a lot of critiques about this. This is one of the number one things that people disagree with me on. I'm not a fan of guns. I do not, I do not think the use of lethal force is okay in any situation. It doesn't mean I want to take away your guns. It also doesn't mean because I'm an anarchist. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to ban shit. I'm not going to make any laws. I'm not going to make any rules on you. Okay. But the other thing that that also means just because I'm against lethal force does not mean I'm against self-defense. This is, this is so telling of the point that I'm often trying to make whenever people ask me to talk about guns or talk about self-defense or lethal force or any of this shit. I'm not a pacifist, okay? I'm not. It's so, it's so ironic and it's so telling that the instant you talk, you talk against guns, people think you are against self-defense. Why? Why is self-defense instantly equated with lethal force? That is such a huge problem in the, I, I guess, the popular mentality because it, I get the criticism all the time. It's like, so you don't want people to defend yourselves? Why? Because I don't like people using guns. I, I don't want people to defend yourselves. Is that crazy? I mean, that, I mean, it's, that, that, that is, it's crazy. No one's making that claim. I am fully supportive of self-defense. I have taken Krav Maga for years. <laughs> I love, I, I mean, I don't love to have to use it, but I am a huge supporter of self-defense. I am totally on board with self-defense. Okay. I'm just not a big one for guns. I'm not the guy that's out there saying it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to carry my AK-47, blah, blah. And I've talked about all this stuff so many countless fucking times. I'm not going to get into it here. I just want to address, please look. I don't want to, I shouldn't, you know, I'm not, I want to say, I'm sorry, but that's not what I mean. I shouldn't have to apologize. People shouldn't automatically equate someone being against lethal force, meaning that they're against self-defense. That's part of the problem that I, that I talk about. Like, I mean, why? Okay. So, so look, we're going to get into a little bit of political talk here. We're going to get into it in the next segment too. All right. So the people that listen for a lot of tech, you're going to get some politics here. Okay. My that I will apologize for. You know, when I bring up critiques of the nap and oh, that being the non-aggression principle, okay, which basically means that, you know, you don't start aggression, you know, don't aggress on somebody else. And that aggression applies to generally people that believe in the, in the non-aggression principle or subscribe to it. Um, say that like, even if you do something to their property, that is effectively hurting them. Okay. Not going to get into that argument, whatever. One of the the caricatures that gets made of people that subscribe to the nap is that if you just accidentally stepped on their lawn, they have the right to shoot you. And here's the thing. So when you bring that up to people like, come on, isn't that isn't that kind of crazy to say that, like, you know, because somebody breaks the nap, you automatically get to go to, you know, lethal force. You automatically get to go to the most extreme uh, 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 justice effectively, even though I wouldn't call it necessarily justice. 
you know, they'll say that, oh, no, 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 no. Like that, that's just somebody being stupid. Or they're saying, no, no, you're making a caricature. Oh, you're painting us with a broad brush. Oh, you're doing this. But here's the funny thing is that anytime you talk bad about lethal force, you, the same exact fucking people instantly think that like for me that I'm saying you can't defend yourself. No. So, so like, I don't think that when you say that, that, that people defend the nap and defend the idea that if somebody accidentally like fell on your lawn or something that you could shoot them. Um, I, I think they really do believe that that's okay. Because again, the, anytime, anytime somebody talks self-defense, you instantaneously equate that to guns. You instantaneously equate that to a device designed with one purpose, not to knock down fruits out of a tree. Okay. But to kill. That's all that its purpose is. So people are like, well, do you want to ban, do you want to ban cars? Because, because, you know, people get killed by cars. Cars aren't designed to kill. The gun has one purpose. Look, I don't care if you have guns. Own all the fucking guns you want. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to support any legislation against your guns. No, none of it. I'm an anarchist. But holy shit, could you do me the one favor of separating the word self, the term self-defense from guns? I'm not saying that that guns can't be a part of self-defense. Of course they are. But I'm saying they're not the only goddamn thing. And that's all I ever talk about. I am so specific in my use of the word lethal force. I'm not talking about self-defense. I'm totally on board with you being about self-defense. Now, maybe your claim is, maybe your claim is, is that, well, but there's situations that you would, if you don't think using self or if you don't think using lethal force is okay, there are situations where, uh, lethal force is required in a self-defense situation. And so you would effectively ban me from, you know, f- from being able to engage in that, blah, blah, blah. All right, first off, I'm not keeping you from doing anything. I am asking you, like, it's already obvious that people are not willing to be creative and not even willing to consider nonviolent or non-lethal alternatives to defending themselves in any situation, whatever it happens to be. And don't even talk to me about war or revolutions or anything like that. That's a whole other fucking story. Okay. And if you really want me to, Hey, message me on Sarah, ha, and I'll talk about it. But you want to talk to me about revolutions being used for, for fucking achieving Liberty, you know, le- uh, violent revolutions, my goddamn ass, they will that they work bullshit. So anyway, um, the point that I was trying to make is that, I think people like if you're not willing to explore the possibilities for nonviolent or nonlethal resolution, okay, to to a situation that you're in, nonlethal forms of self-defense, whatever. If you're not willing to explore those, I have a hard time believing that you are willing to take the time because it's laziness. I have a hard time believing that you are willing to take the time to go through the amount of training that is in my that should be required now okay not a law nothing like that i'm saying like in one's own head for how to handle a handgun and that you don't just buy it and you're just like all right well i just point and click or you know i, I point and point and pull right <laughs> and 
yeah, that worries me. I mean, are you doing stress shooting at all? Are you doing any, you know, stress shooting where both targets are moving so that you make sure you don't hit uh, uh, an innocent bystander of some kind in the situation that you're in, that you're in, or you don't care because when your life's on the line, nobody's innocent. Is that, is that kind of the way you're, the way of, of thinking for you? It takes months, months to learn how to shoot a gun. And if you can't take the same amount of time to explore non-lethal alternatives, like I said, I find it, I'm very skeptical that you're willing to take the time to even explore the proper way to use lethal modes of self-defense. There's all kinds of problems with this, folks. There's all kinds of problems. And look, I know I've killed people. All right, I was in the U.S. Army. I know, what, you fuck, you think I haven't handled a gun? Are you kidding me? I lost count. Nobody cares when I tell when I say to them, "Look, look, uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll pull people aside, maybe that I think are are, are being a little too a little too gung ho, you know, particularly maybe in New Hampshire in the Free State Project or something." And I'll say, "You know, I want to spare you. I want to spare you the feeling after. No matter, I don't care if somebody stole your wallet or is going to hurt somebody. Blah blah blah." Look, I know those are all tragedies, all, all this tragic stuff. You know, who knows? Somebody's got everybody brings up the rape case, even though those same people say that that we don't that rape doesn't exist and that we don't live in a rapes, uh, you know, rape culture or anything like that. But then, you know, the instantly you want to take away their guns are like, but what if somebody's getting raped? Wait a minute. I thought I thought people didn't get raped, which is it, Jack. So tragedy's happening. OK, I get it doesn't matter how tragic it is after you take that life the look in the mirror the nightmares everything else that comes along with you doing something that is so antithetical to a biological component of the human condition that being empathy it's going to haunt you forever you're going to have sleepless nights you're probably going to throw up it's going to suck and it doesn't get easier. Doesn't it matter how many lives you take? You don't. You really don't get. I mean, you can disassociate, but then you start getting into the realms of, well, all kinds of problems start occurring at that point. But even when I tell them that, no, they don't care. They don't care. I mean, I'd love to just just say it that way. Look, I just want to spare you the pain. And they don't give a shit. So fine. Look. You can have your guns. You can engage in self-defense. You have a great time, baby. You do all that stuff. I am not against you. Uh, yeah, I'm against lethal force, but I am not against you. You do what you do. But please, just do me the one favor of finally, let's attach, let's detach the, the term self-defense from automatically considering lethal force because what that's everybody reacts to me in that way and so i assume that's the way everybody thinks is that self-defense is lethal force it's not strange okay my way of my strange contempt it's not strange at all it's based on the fact i've taken lives i've done what some would consider self-defense in those situations overseas what some would consider again i'm speaking in a uh, um, a conventional sense not in the way that i think about it okay i feel terrible about it i've done that it's not strange it's based upon life experience that most people don't have most people that own a gun don't fucking have 
but you don't care. Whatever. Now, you know, I love the old saying. There, there's, I, I don't think it's actually an ancient Chinese saying, but <laughs> he who thinks there's uh, uh, no alternatives to, what is it? He who thinks there's no alternatives to violence has never had a mosquito on their balls. <laughs> there are, let's explore them. At least, at least make the option to, to explore these things. But instead, no, everybody's just like, hey, uh, uh, Ruger, hey, whatever company, you want to sponsor my show? Not this show. You know, and I'll just spend a second. I'm talking about this way more than I wanted to, and I apologize, okay? But, like, that, well, you sent me an anonymous thing, so I'm giving you a response. Um, I know some people also, they're like, well, but, you know, what if they're lining you up on the trains and all that? Look, it ain't that world anymore, man. <laughs> Nobody gets lined up on trains. Now they just use a drone from two miles away, and, and, and they take you out, and, and they, they track you by your SIM card. I know. There is no more lining up on the trains. You're crazy if you think you could take on like the U.S. Army or any modern military. You are literally nuts if you think that you have some kind of a chance. You say, well, but the, the terrorists, you know, they're the, the terrorists. They're able to, to, to stand up against the U.S. Army. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not unconvinced that ISIS, you know, if any, at the very least, it's a byproduct of the U.S. military. How do you think they got all those weapons so fast? Who the fuck armed Osama bin Laden? You think they're going to leave those weapon caches for you, Mr. Libertarian? No. Oh, man. Okay, I went way out of bounds for a tech show. But but I'm going to let that stand. I'm going to leave that shit in. Let's move on to another subject. I probably just lost all of my, all of my, look, I don't care. I'm an anarchist. I'm not going to do anything. You can own guns. I don't care. Do, did, have I made that clear enough yet? These are my opinions, my thoughts, how I feel about it. You can take them for what you will. I know there's people that agree with me. There's people who disagree with me. I understand some people are little people and, or whatever. They're not a big muscular white guy and they have to defend themselves against much bigger attackers, potentially rapists, because yeah, I actually think there are lots of rapists out there. Um, you, you know, and, and well, not lots, but there's enough for a rape culture anyway. I certainly, you know, agree with that. And you've got to do something about it. Do something about it. Okay, I'm just asking you to re to consider, to be very clear, to be very intentional in what you're doing. That's all I'm talking about. I thought that the liberty movement and anarchism and all that was all about questioning the status quo and about questioning, like, you know, all these different constructs that we have that 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 comprise society. But when you question guns, when you question lethal force, oh, no. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying the person on Sarah Ha was like being that mean or anything, but look, I have, I, I don't have, I have no contempt for self-defense. I have a contempt for lethal force. Yes, that is not self-defense. Okay, moving on. Some of your fans, <laughs> some or some of your former fans are of the alt-right persuasion. There is a fine line between Sterner and, and, of course, that's Max Sterner, Sterner anarchism and survivalist anarchism, and some people are afraid that if we open borders, we will never have a little anarchist paradise. Um, no. <laughs> 
So I get that. I know that a lot of my listeners or former listeners are alt-right. Um, no, we'll never have a little anarchist paradise if the borders are closed and people can't move to where they could build one. No, that, 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 that's, that, <laughs> that, that's, that, that statement is diametrically off. Okay. You, you can't, you can't have anything remotely like an anarchist paradise if there are, uh, uh, like state funded walls that, that are put up that keep you from, from getting around. That's it. <laughs> and I mean, and if you're worried about these, look, it, it dry, this drives me so insane. You're so scared. You're so scared of terrorists, of Mexicans, of Syrians, of Muslims, of whoever coming into this country. When you've got cops, you've got, I mean, you, you have the, the own U.S. military. You have all of these organizations that are not a far stretch to themselves claim that they are terrorist organizations, oppressive regimes, and want to destroy your freedom-loving culture. You're telling me police don't want to destroy your freedom-loving culture? You're crazy. Go smoke weed in a state that doesn't have it legalized now. Tell me that they care about your culture. The barbarians aren't at the gates. The barbarians created the gates and they're keeping you in them. Fucking ridiculous. The the fear go go to the Middle East. Go to those countries. <laughs> believe me they're actually a lot of them they're gonna love you as an american okay <laughs> because they're like oh big i mean it's almost like when you go to japan oh big american boy or something like that and they get all excited i know i've been there those muslim gals believe me they are ready to be all over you what the hell you're talking about i mean i i don't know what the how how many police officers there are in the united states but i bet it's orders of magnitude larger than the amount of people that are in Al-Qaeda have ever been in Al-Qaeda or any of this shit. There's no way. And what do you, you think every single, like all, all the millions of Mexicans down in Mexico that they all just want to come right up to America? No. Hell, it's going to be like the fifth largest economy in like the next four years, according to most metrics. And that's not done by liberals. That's done by conservatives those numbers why would they leave if they're going to be the fifth largest economy in the fucking world you can make money down there baby well they want free stuff well apparently not everybody wants to be free stuff otherwise there wouldn't be such huge industry down there some people like to work i guess who knew oh those arguments all right (laughs) let's see when you rip on the alt-right, you sound kind of Jewy. Well, ethnically, I am, and probably the person that message just knows that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to guess you're, if you're kidding, haha. you know, because I can take a Jew joke. I make my own. Um, if you're not kidding, fuck you. Uh, so, let's see. You should, uh, let's see. Um, if I were, let's see. If I weren't taken and I weren't so young, I'd be all over you. That's very, very sweet. Very kind, I guess. Um, I love you. I love Stephanie. You're both wonderful human beings. I hope I get to meet you both someday and give you big hugs. I love to give hugs right on hugs. Solve all of this. Don't they? They really do good. A good cuddle. Nothing like a good cuddle. 
Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, have you? All right, here's the last one, or last one that I'll read. Have you been completely against Ethereum from the start? Do you remember saying, "I love Ethereum"? I swear I heard it. Perhaps I didn't. Not the biggest deal in the world. Okay, so when Ethereum first came out, I was open-minded to it, and uh, I remember specifically saying this would have been like on season one of Sex and Science Hour, so years ago, back like when Ethereum just started, was like just announced. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I think I see what you guys are saying here. Okay, I dig this. You know, like, I'm, I'm willing to give this a chance, blah, blah, blah. And, but within, like, a week, honestly, of even making that statement, I had conversations with, you know, good friends, people in the space and everything, and I came to the same, you know, the, the conclusion that I hold now, which is it's not Turing complete, it's Turing vulnerable. The lack of features in Bitcoin is a security feature, not a bug, not a problem. It's not an issue. You don't want that all built into it. Okay. And in fact, like the very creation of blockchain technology does not lend itself to being an overarching platform like Ethereum. It just fucking doesn't. Okay. Like this, the speed's not there. There's all kinds of issues that, that, that really just, you know, and security issues as well that, that don't really make that a great idea. Blockchain technology is great for specific use cases, not, not for, not, not this Ethereum style shit. Okay, not not to that scope, that unlimited scope anyway. Um, I don't mind things being platforms. I think that there's an interesting case to be made for that and some interesting experiments being done in that, certainly. But oh, anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, so there, there's Sarah Ha. Those are the, the things I got. So, yeah, at one point, I don't think, I don't know if I said I love Ethereum, but I said that I was, you know, open-minded to it and whatever, and I wasn't so against it. So for, yes, one week, you're absolutely right. I was not against it. Um, you know, and I think I did an interview with Anthony DiOrio at the time. And, you know, for, so for like one week, you, you got me. <laughs> but but not not long after, once more of the reality of how they were going to do all this and the implementations were laid out and, and actually, or things weren't actually coming into fruition, very quickly I figured out, no, this is a terrible idea. So, whatever. There you go. Feel better? <laughs> uh, all right. Woo. I will be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Hopefully I didn't lose everybody. Woo, if I didn't lose you, baby, what I had tell you, another way I don't want you to lose, I don't want you to lose your wealth. So a great way to not lose your wealth is to store it in something that has a great history of value. That being, woo, gold and silver, baby. And I want you to get it through Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, they've got your hookup. Go to rrbi.co. You can even buy, boy, Bitcoin. What are they at? They're like, Bitcoin's at an all-time high, kissing well over 3,000 right now, right? Man. Grab some gold and silver while that while that high is going on. You did well. You played smart with Bitcoin. Now play smart with some precious metals. Go to rrbi.co, and we thank them so much for being sponsors of Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show. Hack sick. Ooh, boy. All right. Well, now let's get into a little more, uh, uh, dare I say, contentious, dare I say, <laughs> controversial, uh, subject matter here for HackSec. In fact, I'm really kind of uh, taking over this part of the show to discuss something, to discuss a subject that, I, well, I, I think needs discussion, that I, I think needs a, a, a lot of coverage, and that is really taken, 
I know I've been so political in this episode, and again, I apologize. We'll be right back to your largely non-political, even though, look, I'm an anarchist and it colors everything I do. Uh, I think being an anarchist is kind of anti-political, but whatever. You know what I mean. We'll, we'll be back to all the good tech news and everything, but we're going to talk about Google, and we're going to talk about a story that broke um, about a week ago, that being... Um, from well gizmodo's actually the one that that broke it exclusive here's the full full 10 page well i I guess maybe motherboard broke whatever anyway here's the full 10 page anti-diversity screed circulating internally at google now what is this what is this screed i think just about everybody's really heard about it some other libertarian slash ancap um hosts podcasts whatever have been talking about it and I've been a little surprised, honestly, at their at their reaction uh, towards this whole thing. But anyway, um, this has to do with a guy named James Damore, who is was supposedly, according to some claims, um, like in the top two percent of performers as far as workers at Google, which, of course, are called Googlers. Um, James Damore, after this. who is a software who was a software engineer at Google um, after his little screed about anti-diversity at Google after it went viral uh, was fired and some people cheered that on and others have uh, been very upset about the whole thing Uh, in fact in particular um, there's already been a lot of people who uh, who are some of these names Mike Severnage Mike Cernovich uh, and some others who are very popular in the alt-right, um, you know, they they are pretty much calling for a boycott on Google, which I'll tell you, okay, and we'll break down some of what was said in this 10-page screed about anti-diversity at Google, saying, you know, look, we got to stop these. I mean, pretty much what James Damore was saying is we need to stop these uh, diversity programs within Google that are trying to, that are like overlooking better software engineers just to hire women or people of, you know, people of color or something like that. Um, we got to get past all that because it's really killing the company, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, now, the irony is, is that, yeah, the alt-right took to Twitter, obviously, and started, uh, you know, saying hashtag boycott Google like that. That was all over the place. Now, the hard part for me here is I despise the alt-right um, and because I, I think they're, you know, and, and I've <laughs> I'm not the only one that's, that thinks this way. In fact, I was uh, when I was on the School Sucks uh, podcast in recent months, well, I guess not so recent months now, but even Brett said, it's like, no, you're not going to get any kind of logical ground with these people. They have no logic in what they're arguing for. Um, you know, they'll, they'll just twist everything, you know, into their little, ter- I mean, he, he was, he made the point about logic. I am adding in the, they will just twist things into their little tyrannical views, though. I don't know that he would argue against that regardless. Um, so the alt-right is saying boycott Google. Here's the problem. Like I, that's a hashtag I'd fucking make. Yeah. Fucking boycott Google already. Uh, and, and it's funny because so many people clearly are not stopping using Google. They're not deleting their Google accounts when, when, I mean, I, I just, I, I love the real, the real reality check that has come out of this. Isn't the problem with diversity programs, the real reality check. And there's a lot more I want to say about this. The real reality check that came out of this, is just how tied in you people are to Google and how you kind of, you know, if you're just the average schmo, you can't get away from them. 
Like suddenly you're not going to be really using YouTube anymore. And who the fuck is going to do that? <laughs> like really, I know some of the most privacy centric, uh, uh, you know, people, I know people that, that don't even have a Twitter account that you're lucky if you can get them by email. Uh, they, they totally recognize all of the problems with Google. They think Google is heinous in what it does, not because of this firing of, of James Damore, but because of their business model itself who still watch YouTube. You're, you, you're not going to boycott Google. Okay. I, yeah, I'm trying to get people away from Google services and, and I try to raise that as much as I can, or at least stop using them as much as you can, blah, blah, blah. But you're sure as fuck not going to get any substantial, you know, not, not like the numbers that maybe the alt right would want. Are you going to get people because it's got to be the amount of people necessarily that, that would send the market signal to Google, you know, that, um, okay, you need to change your ways or maybe you need to rehire James Damore or something like that. Right. Um, those kind of numbers are never going to happen. They're, they're just not, not, not with what Google does. It's, it's not like, like Facebook. I think if it was boycott Facebook, you could actually make a difference. I think you could, I think there's a, there's the possibility of a future where people really aren't using Facebook. That, that is, that is a totally possible future. Um, but Google, I mean, Google's YouTube, Google's docs, Google's so many different services. You, you, you know, as to where Facebook, I mean, Facebook is, is some other services as well, but it's still at the end of the day, it's Messenger and the timeline. I mean, there's Instagram. That's another story. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a one trick pony. And so you have a single point of failure that you could you could affect a market change upon Google. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you in boycott Google. I am not with you in any of your other like just just asinine ways of thinking. OK, at all. Um, which honestly, I'm not surprised the all right was supporting it because much of what James Damore, uh, you know, was, was the same way. Now there is the point again, I'm not going to read the whole 10 page screed here. I'm just not, um, there is the point where James Damore makes it very clear that he considers himself a classical liberal. Okay. Now a classical liberal, usually in the term, when somebody uses that today, I'm not saying there aren't some degree of, of different uh, terms for that. He says like right here, and it's in kind of a, uh, kind of the footnotes, you know, the numbered footnotes that he has on, on this, uh, you know, 10 page paper of his he says, of course I may be biased and only see evidence that supports my viewpoint in terms of political biases. I consider myself a classical liberal and I strongly value individualism and reason. I'd be very happy to discuss any of the document further and provide more citations. So, okay. So that's an interesting thing to, you know, to bring up there. Uh, but classical liberal generally means he's libertarian or maybe an anarcho-capitalist or something like that, or an objectivist in that, you know, I mean, he's saying he strongly values individual individualism and reason. I certainly strongly value individualism and reason as well. Um, you know, I, I can, I kind of appreciate that aspect of this, but this points at a few things kind of, kind of right out of it. Okay. And there's a link in the show notes if you want to read the entire 10 page thing. Okay. But again, there's a lot to say about this. Um, the fact that he got fired is not, should not be seen as a surprise. Certainly not to sovereign tech listeners. I have heard it. I have two points of internal anecdotes, internal Google anecdotes that I want to bring to you. One is, is that I've been tipped off years ago. I talked about this years ago. I said this at events on big stages and Google will not hire anarchists. They don't. If they think you're an anarchist, they're not going to hire you. Somehow this guy got through, you know, maybe he became an anarchist as he was working at Google or he became classically liberal as he, as he was working at Google. So they don't want to hire these kind of people 
Why the fuck is it a shock that they would fire them? <laughs> okay, now that's somewhat of an anecdote, and you know I have like no official documentation, but longtime listeners of Sovereign Tech know I've brought that up over and over and over again that they will not hire anarchists. Um, they now I know some anarchists who work for Google, but they they're only there because they've been acquired in. They are an aqua hire. Okay. Now that said. Um, so they won't hire that. The other thing was, and I talked about this, I think I talked about it on a Patreon episode and I'll reveal a little bit of it here. I was on a train leaving New York. Okay. Or heading to, I guess more heading into New York, um, where some, some Googlers, some Google workers were talking. Um, they revealed some information that I talked about on Patreon that, uh, that was, this was back in April. Okay. So not, you know, the, the people that were saying this stuff, I could have had their jobs because they were they were releasing. They were saying so much shit that was not public knowledge. It was crazy. OK. And I wasn't the only one on the train. People can cooperate what I had, what was said. But one of the things that was said is a person said, I, I want to make sure that in companies, in these companies and in, in like and she said and in Google that people of good politic are there. Okay, there's political battles going on within these companies. No doubt about that. When you get to a company the size of Alphabet slash Google, well, first off, it turns into an umbrella company like Alphabet. Second off, you know, yeah, I mean, you have a you have a billion different opposing views within there and they are largely allowed to continue on. Like I said, there's the anarchist thing, which I think is bolstered by the fact and I've talked about this countless times as well, and I keep testing it. Okay, I have a test device. I keep testing it no matter how many times in Google search in Google now. Okay, that you type in or whatever they call it now. When you type in anarchist, you will never get a card about anarchism. But if you type in Kanye or Bill Gates or anything once, just once you get inundated for months with news about whatever the fuck that was. But you type in anarchism, they won't give you anything. You know, the little information cards or stories that you might be interested. You don't get a stitch. Nothing. That's why I'm kind of bolstered. I, I, I feel a little bolstered in that, or I feel that that position is bolstered, that idea is bolstered, that notion is bolstered, that claim is bolstered, that Google won't hire anarchists. Okay? So, I mean, it, test it for yourself. You, you know, do it on a dummy account. Because, yeah, I mean, the algorithm, well, really, it should be, I mean, for me, and, and like I said, for me, it really should be easy. The algorithm should instantly say, because how often I write about anarchism, talk about anarchism, type anarchism, whatever. I mean, it just, it should be automatic. I shouldn't even have to use Google now. It should be coming up for me, and it doesn't. Okay? Now, a lot of the, in my opinion, a lot of the most egregious things that get said in this and the bulk of the reasons I think that maybe he was fired um, have to do with actually in his footnotes. I mean, there's some there's some parts where I completely disagree with him. Like there's a segment about de-emphasizing empathy. Uh, I'll read it here. I've heard several calls for increased empathy on diversity issues. While I strongly support trying to understand how and why people think the way they do, relying on effective empathy, feeling another's pain causes us to focus on anecdotes, favor individuals similar to us and harbor other irrational and dangerous biases. Being emotionally unengaged helps us better reason about the facts. Um, fuck no, <laughs> fuck no. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I would fire a guy instantly for this. 
you know, if, if he felt that way, because I think empathy is so, now look, yes, empathy is a bullshit buzzword and you're getting a bunch of bullshit gurus, particularly in Silicon Valley, trying to push this onto onto people. But he's making it very clear, saying, look, if we have emotion, we got to be emo-, or he says being emotionally unengaged helps us better reason about the facts. Horseshit. Um, I'll quote. In fact, he seems to be, you know, into individualism reason, probably likes Ayn Rand. Well, I'll quote you. Nathaniel Brandon, who very, very much is tied to Ayn Rand and, uh, you know, certainly was a big name in objectivism and didn't really disagree with objectivism in the small O sense of the of the word. Uh, And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. In order to think clearly, we have to feel deeply. You do not get emotionally unengaged. That is that's a recipe for disaster. That's where you end up with, you know, well, all kinds of problems. And a lot of the problems that we talk about on sovereign tech over and over again is that when you remove that human element, the feeling, the emotions, I mean, you end up with some really, in my opinion, some, some ugly tyrannical shit. And it's funny, everybody's calling Google tyrannical. They're, they're throwing around, uh, 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 some really, really, really crazy terms, uh, quite, quite frankly, uh, about this, you know, uh, for, well, for one example, uh, a term being bantied about uh, the word totalitarian is being used by some commentators about what Google uh, has done here in firing this person. Again, I mean, you have something. Obviously, there's a company wide. There's a Silicon Valley wide push for empathy. While some of that is BS. You know, if he didn't have that last sentence in this, I might kind of I might be able to give him a pass on saying that maybe he's talking about the BS empathy, but no, he makes it very clear. Being emotionally unengaged helps us better reason about the facts. No, you can't get to the facts without without being emotionally engaged, as well as using logic and reason. You can't. So that's that's crap. Um, and like I said, I, I'd fire him for that alone. But the other parts here, uh, like let's see, here's footnote number four um, for. For heterosexual, well, footnote number two we already covered. That's where he said he's classical liberal. I wouldn't be surprised if Google fired him for that because they just, don't, you know, in my opinion, I don't think they allow for those people. Uh, not unless it's an aqua hire, like I said. Uh, number four, for heterosexual romantic relationships, men are strongly judged by status and women by beauty. Again, this has biological origins and is culturally universal. I think that can very well be interpreted as uh, uh, James here saying that, look, this this is how things are. You know, and 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 if if you fight against it, you're going to run into troubles. Google is obviously a company all about transcending like so much of the status quo. Uh, you know, I mean, and maybe and in a direction I would argue that I don't think is OK. Um, you know, they're they're so about like kind of getting beyond this. I mean, really, I think they're a company that's looking to, you know, kind of get to transhumanism. That's part of the reason they have Calico, where they're trying to solve death and all these other things. They're really trying to get past a lot of the stuff. I'm not saying that necessarily in a complimentary fashion, but. This is a guy who is obviously, you know, thinking, thinking old world, old school, and that does not fit with the company program. So he got fired. What a surprise. You know, I mean, what if, you know, say somebody was working, working for micro, let's give it an analogy, not that a proof of an analogy is proof. Okay. Or proof by analogy is proof. Let's say it was the nineties with, um, you know, with Microsoft, or something. Okay. And let's say somebody said, look, um, I'm, I'm really pushing. We need to be open sourcing, uh, you know, Microsoft office and we want, and, and he was pushing for it on some kind of like ethical, some kind of ethical ground, some kind of like human liberties grounds, which one could argue for open source in that way if they wanted to. Um, 
would Microsoft fire that person? Well, fuck yeah, because they'd probably be worried the guy's going to leak information about them or do who knows what. Yeah, I mean, Bill Gates would fire him on the spot. And would anybody complain about that? Well, I, I mean, I would certainly say, oh, man, it's like, wow, this guy, you know, he got fired because he wanted to open source stuff. Uh, yeah, Microsoft, uh, you know, it's where now Microsoft is open sourcing a whole ton of shit. That's why I say Microsoft in the 90s. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would disagree with it. But at the same time, I get it. A business can fire, you know, more or less who, who they want. I mean, that's it's, it's a business. I understand that concept. That's part of the that's the other part of this is that is really, really blowing my mind. Um, in fact, there was a thread where uh, MK Lords, who, of course, is a producer for Sovereign Tech and a great friend. Um, there was a thread on someone's popular, shall we say, post about this uh, Facebook post about this. Where, I mean, she just went after him and said, what are you guys doing, you know, complaining about this guy getting fired? What This is private business. Aren't they allowed to fire whoever they hire and fire whoever they want? Isn't that, you know, always the argument? And it was so funny because then everybody kind of came out defending, saying, oh, well, yeah, of course they can fire him. But, you know, I don't have to like it, blah, blah, blah. And in and, and this part that seeing those arguments, in fact, I'll, 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 I'll read some of them because it, it drove me up the fucking wall. Here's one guy saying, um, let's see, Google can do what it wants, but it doesn't mean we've got to give them money or give their products value. Granted, Google is a, or let's see, no, that, that, that wasn't, all right, we'll go down. He said, don't get me wrong. I could care less what Google does so long as they aren't infringing upon my liberties. They're free to hire or fire whomever they want. This story merely shows uh, how they do things. As a consumer, it's noteworthy. Okay, so... This guy, you know, in, in, in this whole thread, again, on a very popular person's um, post about it, popular within libertarianism. That point. Yeah, I get it. OK, they, they can hire and fire. They can do whatever they want as long as they don't infringe on human liberties. Like I read that. And I just my mind was blown. I'm like, so you guys are getting mad about this, about this guy's memo. And you're cons- and you're saying this is a human liberties case. Holy shit. How about all the fucking data collection and and anti-privacy, which last time I checked, privacy was a human liberty. How about all the anti-privacy that Google engages in on a daily fucking basis? And it took some guy who wrote some crazy shit. And I think it is largely, um, you know, to finally get you to wake up and say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, what's Google's corporate culture here? I guess obviously they weren't listening to Sovereign Tech for very long. Of course, I don't blame them because I guess I, well, I'm not going to get into that, but (laughs) Sometimes I go a little, woo, but holy shit, you know, which is it? And, and, and it, it's funny too, because you have all these people arguing for this and look like every time that I have complained about a tech company, I usually get some anarcho-capitalist or libertarian saying they're a business. They can do what they want saying I should shut my mouth. Oh, but when it's one of your, when it's one of your boys, that's, that's trying to get everybody back to the conservative side, when it's one of the boys trying to, you know, put women in their place and, and, you know, all of this, oh, then it's bad. But when they're actually really infringing on human liberties, when, uh, I mean, when they're not going after the police for, uh, you know, when police are masking their cars as Google maps cars and they don't take any kind of legal action about it. I mean, fuck that. That's infringing on your liberties i mean the list goes a mile long listen to five years of sovereign tech and you'll hear it but now you're against google 
Oh man, maybe I'll link to this. Maybe I'll link to this Facebook post because if we can go through it, it's amazing how quickly suddenly like uh, analogies about black people and and even Nambla and all this other crazy shit just suddenly starts coming up, and the misogyny is so fucking in force. I mean, you 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 can't miss it. It's so obvious. They don't care about Google. They just don't like the fact that one of the biggest companies in the world isn't going to put up with a bunch of conservative nonsense. That's what's going on here. I would be a little more sympathetic towards your concerns over James Damore getting fired if you were take if these same people were taking stronger stands against every other uh, uh, you know infringement upon the human condition and human liberty. Okay, and I'm not saying firing James Damore is some kind of infringement in that way. But if you were the, the ones that are totally provable are unquestionable, you can see it. You can look at the code yourself if you really needed to. Okay, uh, that are out there. Maybe then I'd feel a little more sympathetic towards your position about this guy getting fired. But I don't. And the guy goes on. He, he starts talking about IQ tests, which are fucking bullshit. Okay? I mean, this, he, this guy is a caricature of all of these people, you know, of, of, of so many libertarians and ANCAPs and whatever else. I mean, it's, 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 un, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's no wonder that, that he's being defended by them. And look, let's talk business. Okay? Let's talk business. I've run a business before. I know the deal. When you are coming out of a situation where you have so many stories, I mean, social whistleblowing, effectively, stories coming out about how so many VCs are, are, I mean, are just engaging in, in, in either literal rape or in just completely obvious sexual harassment, deplorable behavior, straight up. And even guys like that, people think are, oh, what a great family man, like Chris Saka. Oh, guess not. When you've got all those stories going on, anybody that publishes anything remotely, like say where, where okay, no, we got to stop doing these programs that center on women. Uh, fuck yeah, I'm not surprised that the guy gets fired when you're when Silicon Valley is dealing with this, you know, with this this narrative going around. And well, and I would argue reality. I mean, that's the funny thing, too, is he's writing it all off. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, James, James Damore here. He says, well, uh, well, here, I'll bring up the, the direct quote where he says specifically, yes, in a national aggregate, this is from footnote number nine, women have lower salaries than men for a variety of reasons. For the same work, though, women get paid just as much as men. Considering women spend more money than men and that salary represents how much the employees sacrifice, we really need to rethink our stereotypes um, around power so he's admitting that on average and yes it, it's it's true there's there's fascinating statistics about all this in fact there was a recent episode of the workationing podcast um where where they talked about this where being a woman you just like in most in most industries you make significantly less you know even though you have all the same skill maybe the same age all these different all these same factors that maybe a guy would have okay so he's he's admitting to that but then he's just like kind of writing it all off saying, oh, no, 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 but they get paid the same, so it doesn't matter. No, no, James, you're missing it. They get paid the same? That is not, that does no way equates to treatment in Silicon Valley, which we know is terrible.
I mean, there's just a billion points that he's completely overlooking and missing. And it, in my opinion, it all comes from the, the one particular statement that he made about de-emphasizing empathy and getting rid of emotions. And he says that because you end up concentrating on anecdotes. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are anecdotes? Anecdotes are individual experiences. But wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. James, let's, let's go down. James, what, what did you say here? Uh, footnote number two. Um, I consider myself a classical liberal and strongly value individualism and reason. So wait, so aren't anecdotes important? I mean, I get it. Maybe you're saying they shouldn't be uh, influencing corporate culture or something like that. But that's not really what you're saying, because you're saying we need to just ignore that shit. You know, you're, you're saying we need to get emotions out of the program here. Mm. No, this is bad. I mean, this is this is this guy. I mean, from reading this, in my opinion, you're looking at at, at you know, the human version of an automaton. That really has no understanding of the human condition or is not. I mean, he's clearly not willing to engage in empathy and try to understand where the the problems that women genuinely have to deal with. And if Google favors on that end, then by all means do so. Sovereign Tech favors, you know, having women work with the show. I admit that openly. Isn't that my choice? Hooters favors women. You know, is he going to go after fucking Hooters? See how well that goes over with your alt-right friends and your conservative friends. Oh, this is a, this is a mess. The mess, I mean, yeah, he's ridiculous. There's a million reasons why Google would fire this guy. I've covered some of them. They all make sense. There's and and really, there's nothing, I mean, at Google fire him because of his his political persuasion. Well, I mean, there's an old rule about don't talk about religion and politics at work because people usually end up getting fired over it. Like, I mean, this is just this is how things have worked. You want Google to be different. okay? so you want Google to look forward. This guy's looking backwards. I mean, this is so off base. Yeah, I have no problem with Google firing this guy because, you know, I have, we talk about this all the time on CyberTech. We talk about corporate culture constantly. Uh, a, a, a recent case in the blockchain space, which you think, oh, well, they're really forward thinking. Maybe that's, you know, we can't wait for blockchains to take over. That way Google could finally come down, right? I'm sure there's some people who are thinking that way. They want to boycott Google. Well, in the blockchain space, you have uh, one of their biggest events in the past year. What was it? Identity 2020. We talked about this. What was one of the main taglines for Identity 2020 is that we got to put an end to sex work. What? Why the fuck does a software engineer have to do anything about sex work other than maybe, you know, improve it? (laughs) Not fucking eliminate it. It says who? Who are you to decide what people... Sex work is work. Who are you to... I mean, wow. Where were the... Where... Where? Where are the libertarians for that? They were attending the goddamn thing and speaking at it. Where are the ANCAPs for that? Saying, no, sex work is fine. We, we're, we're not going to attack that. No, no, no. Instead, they, they just let that go. I, I'm the only one who argued about that, who said, what the fuck are these, these fucking coders, uh, you know, blockchain people and software engineers complaining about sex work for? And it's a bunch of bullshit because I know most of them hire sex workers. That's my biggest problem with this is that the people complaining about it are fucking hypocrites. Every single one of them for more than one reason. For one, they're, you know, they're, they're taking a stance that I've taken for a while that, yeah, okay. You want to pay attention to corporate culture. Uh, let I say, I've said, how many times have I said that? I, that's one of my oldest sayings. Don't follow the money, follow the attitude, right? 
okay, yeah, paying attention to corporate culture is fine. But whenever I would bring up corporate culture and I would say boycott companies and I would say stop using their services or stuff like that, you, my, the, the emails, I could show them to you. The emails would flood in that say they're a business. They can do what they want. Oh, but in this case, they can't. Oh, because finally some, you know, some company is taking a stance against your, uh, you know, your, your little bio, your conservatism and, and your little beliefs in biology that, that have, have no basis in modern science. That, that's, that's, that's just one of the worst parts. And I mean, and that, and, and again, you know, to be claiming to be so concerned about human liberties and never doing and never raising a, a peep about how these people have really helped the surveillance state. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've, believe me, I've had the arguments with ANCAPs who said, you know, uh, well, Julian Assange's, you know, work against, and, and I have my own issues with Julian Assange, but Julian Assange's and WikiLeaks work against Google. It's all circumstantial. Google's not, not the evil company, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, going down this whole thing, like when it, it was being shown over and over again, how their business practices were infringing upon basic human liberties. And you can say, well, but you don't have to use Google services. Yeah, but it affects everybody. That microphone on your Android phone doesn't just listen to you. And no one ever raises a single voice about that. But, oh, gee, somebody, somebody, you know, was, was standing up for men. We got to We got to We got to stand up for him because he stood up for men. We got to get him on the Jordan Peterson show. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, some of the some of what's said in this, there's there's points of it that that make sense and that I completely understand. Okay, but there's the bulk of it, and particularly those footnotes where it's just like, oh no. Where if I was a business owner, oh yeah, yep, I would have done the same thing Google did straight up. You know, especially because this guy, if this and and if this guy is one of the top two percent performers, I mean, understand that he's talking about these unconscious biases and he's, he seems to have a degree of self-awareness around it, but he has no problem with the fact that some of those unconscious biases could uh, worm their way into his work. Kind of like how you want to make blockchain IDs to put an end to sex work, which who the fuck are you to tell people they can't do sex work? You think that's not going to affect his work, but he, but he doesn't self-analyze. He doesn't self-analyze that far saying, oh shit, wait a second. That's why we talk about on Sovereign Tech all the time. You you want to, in software, in everything you do, you just want to offer options. Options, 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 options. Gives, makes, I mean, not make everything general purpose. Some things are designed for what they're designed for, and they get used for that. But you always want to be offering options. But instead, you got a guy like this who's, and, and, and it's, it's so funny. I mean, what? I get it. He says he, he's a classical liberal, but like he, he has no concept of the fact that like a business of this scale, I mean, he should, if he had an understanding of economics, he'd know that a business of this scale shouldn't even like exist. Shouldn't even function this way. Like there's no saving a company that size, you know, if it was actually in more of a individualistic or free market or something like that. I mean, he should know that that the root of the problem might even just be this. If, if there is a problem, might be the size of the company. He's obviously or he seems to be identifying some kind of issues that that the company is not at peak efficiency and all that. Well, part of that is fucking obviously you have too many thousands of employees when you have other companies that are doing at least your bread and butter. That being search with a 20 person team compared to 20,000. Yeah, I mean, this is just. 
it's it's crazy. So that's what I got. <laughs> I know people wanted me to talk about the story. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can analyze the paper, break it down. I mean, there's there's points where I think he's he's he himself, J- James Demore, is completely hypocritical uh, in what he had to say, and that there are very obvious reasons. Okay, why? You know, I mean, look, if I could think of a million examples where if you suddenly found yourself in a corporate culture and not just within your own business, but perhaps in with like the corporate culture that is Silicon Valley, when you have, uh, uh, you know, I mean, misogyny is a real thing. Like, you know, the women getting treated, uh, he even admitted it. He said on the aggregate, on the national aggregate, absolutely, women do make less, you know. And he's he's arguing about what are the solutions for all this. Well, look, forget about the money. You have women getting treated significantly worse. It is absolutely provable um, in Silicon Valley. I mean, the dude bros are doing what they do. And what, you don't want your company to, to be sensitive, to pay attention to that? Anyway, we'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Uh, this this guy getting fired, I mean, hey, whatever. <laughs> Fire everybody at Google and the company. I'll be a happy boy, but not for the reasons that the alt-right are, just because that entire company, its entire model is straight up anti, you know, it's anti-human liberties. So, and yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm going to be asking. I know the names. I know some of the names of people. That, uh, that are talking about Boycott Google, I'm going to ask them. So, hey, did you watch that YouTube video? And if they say yes, oh, <laughs> get to that boycotting if you're so such a big believer in it. Let's go. Anyway, I'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Ooh, baby. You know, we just mentioned some blockchain stuff. Well, if you want to keep on keep an eye on the cool, the awesome, the, the history-making, really, technologies that do exist within the blockchain space, you know, you think Bitcoin, you think... Hell, even Litecoin, you think Zcash, you know, you go down the list, stuff like maybe even Zencash, all that. You think like that, you want to go to CryptoCompare.com to keep an eye on all of these technologies, what's going on, the price, the wallets to use, all of that. CryptoCompare.com, it's your hookup, it's a tab I always leave open. You want to check it out and you can get social on there and, you know, keep up with all the latest news. CryptoCompare.com, we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show tool of the week. Ooh, baby. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, <laughs> we had two topics that we just spent so long talking about, and I just went on constant tirades. And like I said, next week, a lot more tech, <laughs> but you know, the, the shit turns political, <laughs> right? And well, and, and the Sarah Ha thing, you know, that was, I used to do that on the show. I used to do Q and a, and I would get so many like you know, anarchist and liberty questions and all that. So many philosophical questions, I should say, um, that maybe newer listeners aren't so used to that unless you're a patron, because a lot of the patron questions are that as well, which you can become a patron at SovereignTech.com. But anyway, you got some of it this week. And as accepting I am as I am really of so many of you, I hope, you know, you find the same with me. But anyway, let's uh, let's get into the tool of the week. And this one's actually really, really cool. I mean, really cool. There's a website I want you to check out, send.firefox.com. And you heard Firefox right, so that means this is made by Mozilla. Uh, it's not technically a part of Firefox. It's browser agnostic, other than I've heard Safari might have some issues. Um, but what it is, it's a very simple, very slick. It's been vetted. It looks good. Uh, sending feature. I think we talked about on Tool of the Week in the past. There was File Pizza. Um 
where it you just you upload or there's even there's a there's a tour one onion share or something like that where you upload a file you just go to a url you click on you know send file you upload this file and then you can just send somebody the url and then they can download the file this is very very slick you don't need an account you don't need anything it can so it says that it's best to keep it in files under one gigabyte. I've tested it with larger and it worked fine, but keep that in mind. But that's all you got to do. Just drag and drop or click the select a file in your computer and you just send somebody the URL. It's encrypted. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's the greatest encryption in the world, but it is, or, you know, because I'm not exactly sure hundred percent certain behind all the encryption that they're using on it, but it's open source. It's all on GitHub. Um, and it is encrypted. I mean, this is, this is a really, really nice slick little implementation. Um, it is part of their, like their test pilot web experiment, uh, uh, program, I guess you'll say not, not program is in software. Uh, but I hope that they actually keep it. In fact, it'd be really nice if they just made a button in the newest in like, cause they're, they're really touting for uh, Firefox version 57, where I said, look, the Firefox browser is going to be a completely new animal come that time. Um, you're already starting to see some of like the photon UI and everything getting implemented into certain nightly builds, um, on, on mobile as well as, uh, on desktop for Firefox. But if they built this right into Firefox, I think that would be a really, really, I mean, it's not using WebRTC as far as I can tell. Uh, so that that's nice, but like build it in as a feature. And I think that could be a pretty cool feature, but yeah, it's like file pizza. It's like uh mini lock mini lock.io was another popular one. That's an extension for Chrome that allows you to do it. Uh, but this is just really, really easy, really nice. All you gotta do, you know, you can share a file again, best if it's under one gigabyte, I don't know what the problem is when it gets beyond that because I haven't run into it. But uh, then you just give somebody the URL and there's even like you could do a password exchange if you needed to. I mean, or well, a a pin code exchange, I guess I should say. Um, But you send them the URL and then they can they can just download whatever you're sending. I mean, it is a really, really nice, uh, very simple, very basic I mean, anybody could use this and just a great way to send files quickly. It doesn't store it in the cloud. It only sits there for like a day. So you have to download it within a day. Uh, I think that's the one kind of limitation on it. But uh, but it works. You know, it works, works beautifully. Um, And again, it is it's not like file pizza where it wasn't encrypted. In this case, uh, it is encrypted. So great idea. Uh, I like seeing these kind of basic, simple services. Um, Obviously, it's not like onion share either where it goes through Tor, but it is encrypted. So check it out. Send.firefox.com. And they're just calling it send. That's, that's all they're calling the service. So I recommend using it. I, I'm going to be using it actually a lot uh, now. So I hope it's something that they keep going and it, it comes out of the test pilot stage. We'll be right back with more Sovereign Tech. Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to protect him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history, Babylon 5. The Climax. Woo, all right. So kind of a shortened climax. I said earlier in the show that we were going to talk about the history of privacy and that we were going to talk about the movie The Circle. Um, I'm going to have to save that for, and, and it's a pity because... It would have fit so nicely with our conversations around the importance of privacy, like with Sarah Ha and some other things, uh, because, boy, that circle movie. 
Well, I'll save it. We'll maybe we'll talk about it next week. We'll we'll get into that. Okay, maybe I'll do like a double because there's another movie that I want to review for uh, for the climax um, next week. But maybe I'll make it a double review and we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, anyway, so what I'm going to do, I'm do calling an audible, as they would say, I think in the sports world. Uh, I'm going to review something different, and it's something that just came out, and spoiler alerts, of course, the climax is where I can talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. It could be a comic book, a book, a movie, TV show, you know, whatever. Um, I want to talk about, in fact, I, I briefly mentioned it on a Patreon episode this week, I want to talk about uh, the new season, season three, of Voltron Legendary Defender. Now, I've covered the previous two seasons. I've, I've reviewed each season as they've come out, uh, because this is, in my opinion, one of the best shows out bar none, not animated, just one of the best shows bar none. And it's remarkable how, I mean, because this is also a largely, it's a clean show, you know, like there's no swearing, there's no real sex. There's not a whole ton of gore or anything like that. Uh, but for it to be so entertaining and in my opinion, so entertaining on nearly every demographic level is no small feat in itself. In fact, only achievable by the likes of star Wars, um, you know, and, and maybe maybe some other maybe, a, a you know, like Star Trek or something or some other franchises where it re I mean, just anybody could sit down and watch this and every different age group or whatever is going to get something out of it. It's, it's just remarkable. Um, so season three was a short season. It was only seven episodes and season f and it just came out August 4th. I think season four is coming out the beginning of November, I believe. I think it's like November 8th that that comes out. Um, it looks like they just split a season because season four is going to be short as well. Like it's, it's going to season three and season four are effectively going to add up to being really 13 episodes, I think. Uh, now that's okay. Like I, I'm, I, I don't mind that, but what I think is really happening here, the reason why this season breakup is happening is because they can't crank out. Uh, at first I thought that, that somehow Netflix just figured it out how you could crank out, you know, a season of a show like twice a year. So you could have two seasons per year, right? But it appears they can't. And so they're splitting things in half. And to keep the, what I'm going to call Netflix rot from happening, where people binge watch stuff on Netflix. Obviously, everybody knows this. But the thing is, is that if you binge watch something and then you have to wait a whole year or more, you know, like Rick and Morty or something, if you have to wait a whole year for, uh, you know, for the next episode, you kind of you run into problems. I mean, this is becoming a popular thing. I think it's uh, other channels are kind of getting in on the game where like with Star Wars Rebels, where they will play the pilot episode like two months ahead of when the actual season will come out because people are it's out of sight, out of mind. People forget about it. And and then, you know, they'll have completely forgotten, perhaps even the events that happened, uh, you know, a year previous or something. I mean, it's it, this this is a a problem that binge watching is or that is an outcropping of binge watching that I think Netflix is trying to solve by splitting the seasons, which is ironic because this is exactly what network television did, you know, decades ago where you would have a mid season break. That's pretty much what Netflix is doing here. Uh, and I, I mean, and it's fine because even though season three doesn't really feel like a cohesive whole, like season one and season two did season three of Ultron was still phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal it's still some of the best shit like i said on tv um maybe netflix's own castlevania would 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 take the cake from it as, as far as you know like checking all my boxes uh that i want out of a show but it it is it is so cool and there was some nice homage and so spoiler alerts here 
not that not that they're heavy spoilers, but um, from from the from the first season, you know, it seemed that Princess Aurora wasn't going to end up getting a lion. But in the 80s Voltron, which I grew up on, uh, like the 87, 84, 87 Voltron, whatever um, you Princess Aurora flew Blue Lion. And so it was always like, OK, well, I mean, and when I saw the first and second season, because in second season, there was no sign of her getting a lion either. I was like, all right. I mean, Princess Laura can do her own thing. She's got this badass castle that's a starship, and that's totally different from you know from the original Voltron. So, yeah, okay, maybe they make that her thing. Like that's how she gets that's how she gets around with the team and all that. So she doesn't even need to pilot a lion. But a weird thing happens. So of course, the character of Shiro, you know, season three is largely dealing with the loss of Shiro and someone else having to take over. Uh, which that was another storyline from the '80s Voltron, which was you had the character of Sven who wore the black uniform because most of the uniforms or some of the uniforms would color code with the lion like Pidge wears a green uniform. And so, you know, rode green lion and hunk woods, a yellow uniform and would fly yellow lion. Um, so all the colors used to match up, you know, until Sven dies off and he's not black, really black lion anymore, or, you know, however they ended up you know making it work in the eighties Voltron. Um, so Shiro in uh, legendary defender, the, you know, the new show, he has disappeared after season two and they don't know what to do about it. And Keith, who is the, you know, who wears a red uniform and was present and was previously flying red lion, it gets chosen to, to pilot a uh, black lion. And so now it matches up with the show where you have, uh, you know, where Keith in the red uniform is flying black lion. That's how it was in the eighties Voltron equally. There were, when you were starting to get hints, because the, the first few episodes of the season, they're dealing with the fact that you can't form Voltron. And like a lot of these rebellious groups, uh, you, you know, against uh, Zarkon's empire, they, you know, they, like they want to see Voltron. That's kind of their message of hope. Well, they started doing something cool. Like Alora, Princess Alora is wearing this new uniform that's pink, but it has like these blue accents in it. And I'm like, oh, they're alluding to the fact that she's going to end up piloting blue lion and they do it in a great way where when she finally gets blue lion, because there's, you know, originally Lance is flying blue lion. Then he ends up with red lion. Again, these are the spoilers, but, uh, but it, it's really awesome when princess Alora finally gets it. And there's so many genuinely funny moments and that character alone, princess Alora, I'm really glad they're letting her take the cake, uh, as, as far as being like a heavily concentrated on character, because, wasn't so much true in the 80s Voltron and yet that's the one that you always wanted to know about was you know was the gal especially when you know you're a young guy but uh Prince Lotor badass phenomenal uh, I mean they're just they're doing everything right so a really cool season um you know, kind of setting up the new team and everything was was a nice touch introducing us to Prince Lotor very cool so can't wait for season four because I've already checked out everything in season but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is exciting. This is definitely one of the best shows going. Easily one of the best animated shows right behind Castlevania and, uh, you know, Rick and Morty. Of course, Rick and Morty is phenomenal. And boy, how about that season three? Whew. Anyway, feel free. Become a patron. SovereignTech.com. Get your hookup. I'll see you whew, on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome 
to be evolution. 